When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing the East podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will be talking about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting individual, we'll try to get them to be a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast a little bit unusual is that only one of us sails. And that would be me, Bela. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know precious little about sailing. Honestly, I don't know the difference between a painter and a through hole. So I'll ask most of the questions and Bela will give most of the answers. Now, Bela, it's been a week or two since we last chatted. What's going on in your part of the world? You know, uh, it's uh, August is sort of a busy month at, uh, for vacations. Last weekend, I was out at the boat, or two weekends ago, I guess I, it was, I was out at the boat, and the parking lot was almost full, cars. So I had never seen that before. A lot of people out boating, enjoying the good weather. It was, uh, it was really quite nice to see all that amount of activity, families there with their boats and enjoying things. Uh, so it was uh, quite nice. August, I think, is a big uh, vacation uh, month around here, at least in the Northeast. It seems like a lot of people take their vacations um, in August. Is there a typical vacation time in, in Germany, Mike? So it's an interesting question, Bela, and vacations are huge here in general. And everybody gets lots of weeks of vacation compared to the U.S. And people take their vacation. They don't like bank their pay. Um, people are serious about vacation here. Now, this way the elementary schools work here, um, it's a little bit different. So it, the calendar varies state by state. And I think they actually vary the summer vacations for the kids on purpose so that not everyone in the whole country is on vacation at the same time. So some of the school kids have all of June off. Some have all of July off. Some of all have August off. And it's, it's state by state. Um, so like right now in my state, the kids are already have been back in school for a few weeks now already. Um, in Baden-Württemberg down in the south, I know they um, they just started, I think, last week. Um, so it varies by almost a month. Um, but everybody does take a vacation. It's usually uh, August uh, and September are the big vacation months. Um, and um, people either, you know, usually travel internationally, but with Corona, um, there's a lot more interest in staying close, close by, but the beach is very important to Germans. Uh, so a lot go to the beach and then a lot of people go camping and camping is different in Germany than it is in the U S. Um, it's, it's a lot less of tent camping, um, and a lot more of these small little camper vans. Um, and people take that or maybe a small trailer, um, cause we don't have room to park big. There's not these big giant campers that they have in the U S 
Uh, it's amazing how much smaller things are. And it might be like the size of a VW van with a little roof extension on it um, or a little bit bigger. Um, there's some European companies that make campers, but they're on average, I think about half the size of an American one. And then they go to these campgrounds. You can't just kind of camp anywhere. Um, they're very strict with where you can camp. So there's special campgrounds, usually private. Um, and they pack these camper vans in at, at a density that Americans would find absolutely mind boggling. And people like that. They go to the same place year after year and they know their neighbors and it's all very social. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And these are usually near a lake or the sea or something like that or a river. So there's some swimming or something there. They almost always have a little bar or restaurant. There's almost always a playground, a really neat playground for kids. Uh, so this is kind of this definition of camping uh, is a little bit different. But really big. Now is right uh, kind of the, the heart of, of vacation season or toward the end here. Uh, and it will go for another, another month, I think. And then people will be back to work. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept of sort of the elementary and schools, et cetera, sort of <clears throat> by region varying what times they're off so that, you know, the, the the tourist places don't get overloaded. Because here in the United States, you know, August is the huge month. Uh, July is pretty big, but July and August, those two months. And I live in sort of uh, a, a vacation area, tourist area, like near Lake George in upstate New York. And July and August around here on a normal year is super busy. I mean, we don't go out to eat in July and August because the restaurants are packed, you know, and there's a 45-minute wait. And, you know, the rest of the year, everything's underutilized. <laughs> and in July and August, everything is sort of stressed. <laughs> and this notion of spreading stuff out just makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. Yeah. You know, there's there's stereotypes about Germans being very organized and having systems. And they're mostly true. There's some exceptions, but um, they're mostly true. And, and the things are still packed here. Uh, the tourist areas are still packed, yeah. um, even with this um, kind of staggered yeah. school schedule. Um, but I'm sure it makes it better. So tell me, what's going on with your boat? Oh, yeah. So I had another big project I did. Um, so, you know, I, I've had a, a couple of boats in, in my lifetime. And I'll tell you one thing that drives me crazy. It's, it's when it rains outside and you have water that's dripping into the boat from some leaking thing on the boat, right? So the boats can leak two different ways. One is the hull can leak. <laughs> and the hull's the part that's in the water. And of course, you don't want that to leak. That's a big problem. Uh, but most of the times where most leaks on a boat happen is in the deck uh, or the top of the boat. And that's either can be caused by rain, which is the predominant cause, or if you know, you're out in the ocean and you get big waves, that can cause leaks too. And these leaks in the deck just drive me crazy. I like to have a boat that's nice and dry on the inside. And also, uh, you know, water can cause damage inside of a boat because there's a lot of wood inside of a boat. And if water continually drips into the boat, it collects, it can rot the wood, etc. Uh, which is which is not a, a good thing, and so I every every day I'm, I'm on the boat I always check my bilge to um, make sure the bilge is nice and dry. Now wait, I thought a bilge was a pump, Bela. What's the bilge itself? Ah, uh -huh. so a bilge pump is the thing that pumps the bilge out, water out of the bilge. The bilge on a boat boat hulls are typically designed the shape of the hull is designed in such a way it has a low point on the inside. So any water that comes into the boat 
would naturally drain to this lowest portion of the hull based on its shape. And, and that's where you put the bilge pump. So if any water comes in, the bilge pump can pump it out. And usually is a very easy way to visually inspect or look at your bilge to, to see if it's dry or not, or if there's water collecting in the bilge. Um, so the bilge is, is a place where any liquids <laughs> uh, that enter the boat uh, will sort of uh, aggregate or collect. And, and then a bilge pump is how you can is pump them out. And on my boat, uh, I actually have three bilge pumps. So there's a, a relatively small, small meaning I think it's uh, 200 gallons per minute. No, I can't be right. It can't be 200 gallons per minute. Uh, 200 That's gallons per hour. It's got to be 200 gallons per That's hour. Yeah. Man. 200 gallons per hour bilge pump uh, that's at the very, very bottom of the bilge. And that, I guess it turns on automatically. There's a little switch there. And then a little higher up in the bilge, there's a bigger pump that's a thousand gallons per hour. This is a pretty good size pump. Uh, so if the small one gets overwhelmed, this bigger one turns on. And then there's yet a third one, which is a manual pump with a big lever arm, I can pump manually to pump water out of the boat. Because as you, the problem with sailboats is they sink. <laughs> because if they fill up with water, because they have a keel that's made out of cast iron or lead, uh, if they fill up with water, they're sinking. It's, it's not like you know people get these little runabouts and stuff that have flotation built into them. And if they fill up with water, the boat still kind of floats. Uh, it won't sink down to the bottom of the body of water it's in. But sailboats tend, if they fill up with water, they tend to sink. But, Bela, if you're using that manual pump, you're in big trouble, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> if anything other than the small bilge pump is turning on periodically, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely right. And the water, this is the, the water that pumps out of the bilge. <clears throat> this is where you see the little holes right above the water line, either on the back or on the sides, right? And you see water coming out and going into the back into the water, right? This is the bilge pump work. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yep. Okay. Correct. So that leads me to another question that may be stupid. But, you know, like on, on the, on, I understand wooden boats are a whole different thing, but on a modern kind of fiberglass boat, right? Why should decks leak? I mean, they're all made in one piece, aren't they? Or am I missing something? Yeah, no, you're right. So typically a, ba a boat is made in two major parts, uh, two major halves, the top and the bottom, or the hull is sort of made in a mold, right? And they, they, it's one big piece of fiberglass typically. And the top or the deck is made in a different mold. And then they sort of glue the two halves together. And now you have basically the boat except for all the stuff that goes on the inside. Uh, but soon as soon as they make these nice one pieces of one huge piece of fiberglass, whether it be the hull or the deck or the top, they start drilling holes in them, <laughs> right? So uh. in the hull, they probably drill, I think my boat has seven through hulls in it, as they're called. So these are holes that they drill in the hull below the waterline uh, so, for example, the engine needs water to cool it. So they have to drill a hole and they put a fitting there with a valve you can turn on and off that provides cooling water to the engine. I have a generator in a boat. That needs cooling water. So that has another, a different through hull with a valve you can turn on and off. Uh, there are some sensors on the boat that measure how fast the boat is going. 
how deep the water is, uh, those sensors don't work through the fiberglass. So they have to drill a hole through the hull to mount the sensor. Uh, the propeller shaft got to get through the hole somehow. <laughs> so there's a hole for the propeller shaft. So the good news is there's only six or seven, you know, maybe on some boats, a few more hull, holes in the hull. And, and, they, and since they're in the hull, they do an excellent job in sort of sealing them and securing them and thinking through, making to sure, make sure that the hole they drilled stays watertight for a long period of time. Now, on the deck of the boat, the top half of the boat, again, one piece when they made it with no holes in it, as soon as they take it out of the mold, they start cutting holes in it. They start cutting holes in it for windows. They cut and drill holes for lifelines. Lifelines are those uh, uh, vertical pieces along the edge of edge or the railing of the boat uh, that that sort of go all around the boat and help you from falling off the boat, right? And so those are drilled into the into the deck of the boat. Uh, there's there's hatches that are drilled, cutouts made for the hatches uh, and the windows. On a sailboat, there's winches. There's all sorts of pulleys and, and locking mechanisms and all sorts of stuff like that that get attached to the hull, or excuse me, get attached to the deck, and they get attached um, with bolts. Uh, and typically, a lot of these things have a lot of force on them. So when they Let's say a winch, for example, which is what you control your your lines or your ropes with that control the sails, controls the angles of the sails and all that kind of stuff. They are mounted with four or six bolts. Uh, they drill these holes through the deck, and then there's a big steel plate that goes on the inside of it because there's a lot of force on these things, right? All of the tension of the sail is pulling against this thing. Uh, so they drill. There's probably got to be several hundred holes drilled or cutouts made in the deck of my boat uh, when, when the thing's manufactured to attach all of these things. And yeah, they take good care in sort of making sure that, you know, they seal them and they put sealing goop around them and when they put them together. But with a couple hundred of them, you got to imagine over time, some are going to leak. You know, yeah, it's really kind of weird, right? You, you're trying to, you're making a boat, you want to make it watertight as possible. But the first thing you do is just start drilling holes into the damn thing. Isn't anybody working on some sort of 3D printing methodology, uh, additive manufacturing, something like this, where they can mold in these points of attachment directly into the body and secure it and add the, the reinforcements that's needed for things like um, managing uh, managing these intense loads? Yeah seems like there's a solution to that. Yeah? yeah, you know, some manufacturers have tried to sort of, when they're, when they're making the deck itself, they, they will take stainless steel plates and they'll, and they'll bury them inside of the fiberglass itself. So, right, so there's fiberglass on both sides of it. And, mm -hmm. and, and then they don't have to drill a hole all the way through the hull. They can just drill it into the stainless steel plate and thread these fasteners into that stainless steel plate. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is as good as stainless steel is, uh, the reason that stainless steel does not rust in salt water is because the oxygen oxidizes the surface of the stainless steel and it protects it. If there's no oxygen, stainless steel will actually corrode. So 
if there's moisture in there or moisture wor- works its way in the bolt, you know, along the bolt into this piece of stainless steel, it will start to corrode and it'll get what's called crevice corrosion and it will actually fracture and break. So they've tried that. The manufacturers have tried that in the past and, and best practices these days is they don't do that anymore. Right, because someone had the same idea that you're talking about. Well, let's let's try to figure out a way of doing this without having to drill a hole all the way through. <laughs> let's have just to drill it partially, but put a piece of metal there so we can bolt to that or attach to that. Uh, but they had these problems with crevice corrosion, uh, and and they stopped that practice. So, yeah. Let's talk about windows. So you said you had window leaks, and this is annoying, which I totally yeah. Get. So every time it would rain, I'd I'd get. Uh, these I have these the boat has these big windows around the upper part of the deck so when you're in the cabin you can you get a lot of natural light lots of lots of sailboats you know have small little portholes and it's sort of like being in a cave and and when they design more newer boats modern boats mine's a 2009 so it's a relatively new boat they started adding bigger and bigger windows to bring in more natural light which is great. So it has these large plexiglass windows that wrap around a big portion of the cabin. And they're, and they're basically glued in. Right? That's how they're attached. And, and the glue not only attaches them to the hull, but it also seals, seals them from the water. And you can imagine, you know, with sun and age, some of that stuff breaks down. And boats tend to flex a fair amount, even though they're big, heavy, and stiff. Uh, all the forces on them, they flex a bit. Uh, and so some of this seals have broken down. So when it would rain, I would get water dripping in along these windows at various different places inside the cabin. And uh, it just sort of, you know, bugs me. So I was out there for a few days to try to fix this. And uh, the windows had come detached in a few places. Uh, so what I ended up doing was, uh, taking the windows out. I took, I didn't have to take all of them out. Two of them were still solid, solidly glued in. Uh, and there's a total of six windows on the boat. Uh, this big long wraparound windshield sort of, uh, that goes to the front of the boat and but down both sides of the cabin. Uh, there's actually made up of six different pieces of plexiglass. Two of them were solidly still glued in. So I left those. Uh, the four other ones, the glue had separated. And so I pulled those out, cleaned them up. You got to scrape all the old glue off. Kind of learned from, you know, watching YouTube videos is you use something called Dow 795, which is a super strong sort of sealant slash glue. Uh, It was actually developed for the construction industry. Uh, All of the windows on these big skyscrapers that you see, you know, these, it was very, very stylish for a while to build buildings with, you know, all glass on the outside. Well, all that glass is fundamentally glued in (laughs) with this Dow 795. Uh, And uh, so that's what's, that's what people recommended. And that's what the original manufacturers used for gluing in these plexiglass uh, windows. Uh, and I added uh, something else that the manufacturer did not add, but it's something called th- made by 3M. It's VHB. That's uh, V as in Victor, H as in Harry, B as in Boy, uh, and it's a double-sided, super strong, sticky tape. Uh, 
again, it's an, made for an industrial thing. It's not for home use. Um, so what I did is I took these windows out. I cleaned them. I scraped off all of the old uh, silicone glue, a sealant that was there. I put down a strip of this 3M VHB. Um, and then I applied the sort of um, Dow 795, the sealant around there, and I stuck them back on. And this uh, double-sided sticky tape develops full strength immediately. So it's it's like I got some of my fingers. I, I almost glued my two fingers together. I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So that kind of holds the windows in while this other sealant slash glue, the Dow 795, dries and has a time to adhere because it takes about a day for that stuff to sort of dry and come to full strength. So then I still had to sort of seal the edges, you know, and get a nice sort of like, you know, it's sort of like when resealing your, your bathtub or your shower at home, right? You know, you get out your white, your tube of white silicone and you try to get a nice edge. What I found there was uh, I, I bought a silicone caulk finishing tool. So they sell these tools that you can use that'll give you a nice shaped bead because when you squeeze it out of the tube, I can't get that to come out super even and super nice. But what you do is you put down some painter's tape along the edges to give you a nice clean edge. Uh, then you squirt the stuff in along kind of the edge between the window and the hull. And then you take this shaping tool and you sort of scrape it down and it gives you a nice kind of bead around and pull the, pull the tape off, uh, the painter's tape off, and uh, it comes out looking really nice. So, uh, yeah, that took me about eight hours uh, to do. Uh, it was uh, uh, over two days because, again, it was hot and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't let myself work in the hot sun for eight hours. Um, all in one yeah, that's day. A, that's a big job. Yeah, man. it was a How big job. How did it turn job. out? Are you happy? Yeah, it was a big job. So uh, I'm very happy because uh, in our previous episode, we talked about uh, Hurricane uh, Henri. And uh, after going through the hurricane, the boat was dry inside. <laughs> so I, uh, about a week after I did that job, if you remember, uh, I was out there to do the windows. I, I, I finished up on a Wednesday. I drove home. Uh, and I left Friday morning, the following Friday, to come back out and do the hurricane prep. So immediately, uh, less than a week later, the windows got tested uh, in Hurricane uh, Henri, and uh, the boat was nice and dry. So yeah, it seemed to have worked out really well. But yeah, that was a nice. that was a big project, uh, one that I knew I had to do. I had been contemplating it. I got it done, and I'm quite pleased with how it turned out. Well, and it's great you didn't put that off until after the hurricane, right? You would have had a much bigger mess to clean up, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah? Yes, that's right. That's right. So we can title this episode, A Stitch in Time Saves Nine, <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I like it. Very good. Well, let's wrap it up, I think. Yeah, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think so. Fascinating. So nice snapshot into kind of some of the challenges of maintaining a boat as a you know, and it's not a super old boat, but these these windows come loose, and you have to you have to maintain them to keep the inside of your boat dry. Uh, totally fascinating story, Bela. Thanks, uh, listeners. Thanks for joining us for another another episode. We hope you found this uh, conversation interesting and thought provoking as well. If you have questions or opinions about what we've discussed today, as always, feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailing the east. That's all one word at gmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoy the podcast, hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting application. 
And, you know, uh, hope to see you out there uh, sailing somewhere on Narragansett Bay or Long Island Sound uh, this summer or what's uh, left of the summer. It's fast approaching the end of the sailing season. Uh, So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon. Sounds great, Bela. May your cabin stay dry. That's it for over here in Münster, Germany. See you next time. <laughs>